I'm your host, Amanda Dave. I'm podcasting from the home of the College World Series in Warren Buffett, Omaha, Nebraska. This is a pediatrician and training podcast, a resource for medical students and residents, and I'm your host. Uh, just a little bit of introduction. Uh, I'm a first-year pediatrics resident at the University of Nebraska Medical Center in Omaha. I went to Tulane University in New Orleans for my undergraduate degree in neuroscience and anthropology. I received my medical degree from Creighton University School of Medicine in 2018. This podcast will cover high-yield topics as well as interviews with pediatricians and pediatric subspecialists. If you have suggestions or comments or questions, please feel free to email at amandameraldave at gmail.com. This is a pediatrician in training. Okay, today we're going to discuss abdominal distension as well as gastroenteritis. So for abdominal distension, this could be normal or pathologics. Normal babies have some distension due to swallowing air. Healthy toddlers can have some distension either due to lumbar lordosis or lack of tone of the rectus muscles. Now, if the abdominal distension is more in the epigastric area, the differential can include malrotation, abesor, gastric duplication, pyloric stenosis, or duodenal atresia. Now, with respect to the flank, it could be renal etiology, including polycystic kidney disease, renal vein thrombosis, or hydronephrosis. It could be uh, neuroblastoma, or adrenal hemorrhage, or Wilms tumor. With respect to right upper quadrant abdominal distension, hepatomegaly should be on your differential, as well as hydrops, gallbladder, and hepatic tumors. For left upper quadrant, include spenomegaly or a splenic cyst. For right lower quadrant, consider fecal mass, ovarian mass, intussusception, appendiceal abscess, or Crohn's disease. And some of this does vary based off of the age of the patient and if they have underlying uh, pathology. Now, if their distension is in the left lower quadrant, two big things to consider are poop, so fecal mass, or an ovarian mass. Um, I always like to think about in my differential the O-poops to look out for. I use another term, but this is going to be a PG podcast. So the O-poops to look out for are sepsis, peritonitis, intra-abdominal bleeding, severe pancreatitis, acute renal failure, acute liver failure, and a ruptured ectopic. So once again, these things kind of different. The differential will vary based off your age, but these are the O-poops. Um, also with an acute surgical abdomen, malrotation or mid-gut volvulus, intussusception, and appendicitis are the big three. Um, now with respect to management, immediately with a acute surgical abdomen, you're going to have uh, to replace fluids because they'll be volume depleted, place an NG tube, and then start broad-spectrum antibiotics. Uh, for history and physical, so for a kid with abdominal distension, you're going to identify if there are constitutional symptoms, how long this has been going on for, if they've had changes in their bowel, bowel or bladder habits. A lot of the times in the elementary school population, kids will withhold pooping during the day, so if they have that left qu- lower quadrant abdominal distension, it could simply be a fecal mass. You also want to look for signs of obstruction, including vomiting, pain, obstipation, uh, or if they had delayed passage of meconium at birth, is something to really kind of keep note of in the history. Malignancy, some signs for that could include irritability, fatigue, bone pain, fever, weight loss, and failure to thrive. And for malabsorption, greasy or bulky stools are kind of things to look out for. Now, management of abdominal distension will vary very highly based off of what you actually end up doing. Uh, KUBs can be used and are pretty commonly used in the emergency department in terms of imaging modality. You can also use ultrasound, like if you suspected uh, intussusception or uh, something like that, you can do uh, imaging, but I would refer to radiology and kind of ask them what they want because sometimes you'll get a scan and it won't be exactly what's needed. 
management of abdominal distension really also depends on what is the uh, etiology of disease. Now, if it's an acute surgical abdomen and they're going to go to surgery, if they're septic or if they have peritonitis, you're going to manage those issues acutely. If it's fecal mass or something like that, you can really just manage that with uh, discussion with parents about constipation and dietary modification, as well as consider a Miralax cleanout. Um, now, if it's normal abdominal distension due to some swallowing of air, you kind of just discuss with mom that they, mom or dad, that they this happens and this is normal. Now, with respect to gastroenteritis, so the etiology of this is it's usually a fecal oral route uh, or ingestion of contaminated food or water. Rotavirus and norovirus are really common in the United States, uh, and you'll see this pretty commonly in kids that are seen, that are in daycare. Uh, if you guys remember from those board questions, that daycare is kind of not only for uh, respiratory infections for but for gastro as well. Um, causes are either bacterial, viral, or parasitic. Many are foodborne. Uh, some associated factors include poor environmental hygiene, poverty, um, immunodeficiency. If they're young, if they have measles. Or if they are babies and they lack exclusive or predominant breastfeeding. Clinical manifestations of gastroenteritis were variable based off the pathogen, but if you have a kid that comes in the clinic or the emergency department and they have diarrhea, abdominal cramps, and vomiting, gastro should be pretty high on your differential. Um, you can also do a pretty extensive history and physical exam to kind of figure out, uh, with respect to that abdominal distension, if there are other things that you should be considering on your differential. Now, with respect to management of gastroenteritis, the big things you want to do is assess dehydration or hydration status as well as if they're in acidosis. Um, you're going to do res fluid resuscitation and rehydration with oral or IV fluids based on whether or not they can tolerate PO. Um, PO challenges, or especially in the emergency department, are kind of critical before discharging the patient home. The gastroenteritis is most likely going to be something that's viral and will self resolve but you know the big thing to consider is dehydration from gastroenteritis that's usually can be managed in the outpatient setting uh, as long as they can tolerate PO fluids if they have the inability to tolerate PO then you're going to do that IV fluid therapy so that's in severe or unusual cases um, fluid should be administered rapidly and with the intent to store the entire fluid deficit in about four to six hours now if the kid has uh, altered mental status or their electrolytes are super off. With respect to electrolytes, hypokalemia is something to be aware of. This results from the loss of total body potassium as a consequence of increased aldosterone activity in the kidney. This common occurrence in severe dehydration and is pretty common on shelf and board exams. Um, so hypokalemia can also result in ileus, which will impair fluid and electrolyte absorption from the intestines. As such, uh, the provider should be aware and be replacing potassium if the potassium levels are low. Or if they have chronic diarrhea for greater than 14 days, those are reasons to admit. Or if the kid has pre-existing medical conditions, including short gut or inflammatory bowel disease, and presents with uh, gastroenteritis or abdominal infection, then that's a reason to admit. Or if you have them in the outpatient or emergency department and you cannot replace their fluids or maintain them after a six-hour period, those are reasons to admit to the uh, inpatient service. Now, in terms of prognosis, uh, diarrheal di dehydration is the leading cause of death globally. When treated appropriately, it's pretty uh, excellent prognosis, as long as you can restore fluids and kind of tell, explain parents that, you know, even with ideal therapy, uh, gastroenteritis can last three to seven days. So 
big things with the education include making sure that the kid's taking good PO. And if they can't get good PO, or like I said, for reasons for admission, those are reasons to come back to the emergency department or to the clinic. Okay, I think that's it for today. I really appreciate y'all listening in. And this has been a discussion of abdominal distension and gastroenteritis with an emphasis on oral uh, rehydration for management of gastroenteritis. If you guys have any questions or comments or suggestions for posts, please feel free to email at amandamaroldave at gmail.com. This has been a pediatrician in training.